Well, kia ora, and welcome to Simon Wilson, who is a senior writer at the New Zealand Herald here in Auckland, where, as a Wellingtonian, um, I'm happy to come here and find out what on earth is going on in your council <laughs> elections. Simon, you've been covering this day in, day out, burp and fart for months, uh, to the point where one of the mayoral candidates um, couldn't be bothered to even answer your questions, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Tell us, Simon, how has this election campaign gripped or not the city, and what's been your impression, having seen quite a few of these campaigns? Uh, kia ora, Bernard. But if you listen to the noise, um, there's noise about rates, there's noise about car parks uh, being removed, there's noise about too many cycleways. Um, it's very hard to place that noise in the larger issue of what people, larger question of what people are going to vote on, because if you look at rates, uh, both our leading contenders now are uh, declining, have declined to sign the Ratepayers Alliance pledge. Uh, they are declining to say uh, what rates will be. Both of them say they're going to um, have a laser focus on spending, etc., etc. Uh, but neither of them is prepared to say uh, what what will happen to rates. Uh, it's uh, encouraging. Certainly after the first year, and I think it is encouraging. They recognise that. Uh, it's just inappropriate to be saying we're we're not going to raise rates. So that's that's an, that's. Um, is encouraging. Uh, if you look at the issue around car parks and cycleways, those are the things that the whole climate action um, question uh, boils down to. Uh, Aucklanders voted uh, in, in consultation and in surveys uh, have made it very clear they want climate action in this city. They've actually made it clear um, that they were, are prepared to pay higher rates to do it. and, and have. Uh, so that is happening. Um, but when that translates into do we want uh, more efficient buses, uh, in other words giving buses uh, priority lanes and therefore removing some car parks on arterial roads, do we want more cycleways so that cycling is safe for a whole lot more people, um, then it becomes a little more controversial. As I said, it is hard to uh, know how much the noise relates to what people are really concerned about uh, because we have so little polling information on all this. But you've heard the various candidates, both for council and for the mayor, uh, come up with their arguments. It's interesting, around the country there has been a sort of a bubbling up of discontent with some of the direction of, uh, of council policies and the way government has interacted with councils. <laughs> you've seen debates about three waters and about uh, you know, anti-car policies and um, that sort of thing. But I sense in Auckland there's not the same focus on, for example, three waters and co-governance, but also there's more of an agreement about the need to mode shift and to um, think more about climate. Is that, is that fair? I think that's probably true. I, uh, my perception is that three waters becomes a stronger issue uh, away from the larger centres. Um, um, one of the things that's happened in Auckland with COVID is that the council has in the last three years done three really big things. You know, the first one is that they lost nearly a billion dollars out of their budget and they responded in July 2020 with an emergency budget which said okay we've got to find 900 million dollars of savings and they did that. They sacked a lot of people, they deferred a lot of spending, uh, they cancelled a number of programs and then from that they've had what they call recovery budgets which 
build on that smaller uh, uh, revenue base. Yeah, so the budget is being controlled in that way. Yeah, their debt to revenue ratio now is actually lower than it was pre-COVID, yeah, which is, I think, probably people would say quite an objection. It's extraordinary. I yeah. mean, they've had a yeah. credit rating upgrade. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> in so, the last year. So there have been candidates saying, you know, council spending's out of control and, 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 and so on, but actually there's no, there's no independent measure to, to show that's true. They have controlled uh, their spending, have controlled their budget. That's the first thing they've done. Second thing they've done is that there is now, with government leadership, a massive infrastructure program happening in Auckland. Uh, there are more houses being built than ever. Uh, there are massive public transport projects underway and motorways are being expanded as well. Uh, all of that means that the city is growing and changing uh, and starting to get really serious about meeting the, the demands that are being put on it, ha have been put on it by population growth. That's happening. Uh, and the third one is what I mentioned before, the uh, climate action. Uh, so there is a climate action plan, there is a, there is a transport emissions reduction pathway, it's extraordinarily aspirational, it says 64% reduction in uh, transport emissions. Are we emissions. Getting, getting anywhere close to that? Uh, is we it are, real? We, there is no real plan to get close to that now, but it is, has been signed up to by um, most people concerned, um, and in particular most councillors. Um, and, and in fact the, the uh, climate action um, plan itself uh, was unanimously supported by councillors. So although there's some fuss about it in the election, um, there does seem to be a consensus support among the existing uh, councillors at least. So you've got those three big things, budget control, infrastructure development and climate action. That is the program that is now effectively up for a referendum in this election. Um, the problem with that is that not many of the candidates are putting it in that way. Yeah, so, you know, they'll talk about we've, there's too much on cycleways, but actually the larger issues behind it uh, are those three big things. The existing councillors, most of them know that. Uh, many of the people standing against them don't go near talking about that, and sometimes you think you don't even understand this, do you? Yeah, so let's talk about some of the candidates and their policies and their different views on these things. Uh, for the mayoral um, uh, uh, contest, we, we started off with... Um, four or five major candidates and uh, the centre-right sort of um, uh, sliced themselves down to one eventually, <laughs> eventually yeah. with Viv Beck, although she is still on the voting form. And uh, just before we jump into that, is there a risk for the centre-right that simply having her name there will dilute and uh, uh, not achieve the whole plan, which was to avoid splintering the vote. When Viv Beck uh, announced that she was withdrawing, um, it's a technical withdrawal, as you say, and the name was already printed on the voting papers, um, uh, it was clear that she had support from a number of people on the centre-right who did not like the idea of a, a brash businessman um, who's, uh, who was proud of his ability to basically smash things up, uh, to, to uh, come in and sack a whole lot of people, and to, he didn't worry that he was, didn't, he didn't mind, he, he was happy to declare, he didn't mind if he put noses out of joint and, and, and all of that. Um, there, were a lot of, there were a number of voters on the centre-right who weren't particularly impressed by that, and they were uh, supporting Viv. Um, uh, she had a uh, degree of National Party support, appears uh, to have had mm. the centralist natural National Party support, if you like. Simon Bridges was um, photographed uh, walking with her up Queen Street, that was highly symbolic. Um, so 
what's going to happen to her vote? Some people will still vote for her. Some of those people will stay home. And some of those people may recognise that Epheso Collins has the same kind of, I want to sit down with people and talk temperament and uh, desire. Uh, and they may uh, feel that he's worth giving a risk to. But there is, among the opposition to Epheso Collins, there is a strong, we don't want Labour uh, feeling. So, so that's a, a big motivator. So Epheso Collins is um, effectively endorsed by both Labour and the Greens. Yes, and so it's different from Wellington, where yeah. they each have a candidate in the race. <laughs> yeah, and um, there's, there's no splintering on the sort of centre-left, I suppose. Um, We've had an interview on the Kakao with Efeso Collins, so people can have a listen to that, and I'll link to it in the show notes. Wayne Brown, the centre-right candidate who's left standing now, uh, I have asked for an interview, and uh, um, he has declined my request. Uh, and he also has um, expressed a, a disinterest in um, appearing in debates, Simon, that, that you were moderating. What on earth is going on there? I'm keen to find out a bit yeah. more about Wayne Brown. So uh, Wayne Brown did uh, decline to appear in, a, in a, a panel that I was going to moderate with the two of them for the Herald. Um, he later did. We, we re-established the panel. For, I did it with Fran O'Sullivan and Liam Dan and had the two candidates uh, and that went um, pretty successfully. We did that last Friday and that's available to be viewed. Um, both of the candidates have spent the last two weeks, it has to be said, um, being ch trying to choose where they think they'll have the most impact. Um, so Fesso uh, Collins has um, reoriented away from some of the events that he thought um, would be of low impact for him and, and done some higher impact things. Uh, Wayne Brown has been pretty careful who he speaks to, uh, uh, who he's interviewed by. Um, and, and that's how it's gone. It's, it's, it's a bit extraordinary, really. You, when you, whoever becomes the mayor will have to talk to all the media who want to talk to them. And I always thought that, you know, if, 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 um, if there's a candidate who thinks that I'm going to give them a hard time, wait till they get Mike Hosking or Tober O'Brien. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm the pussycat around yeah. here. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to all of those um, clashes after the election, depending on who gets in. Uh, Wayne Brown, uh, for those people outside of Auckland, or maybe tho even those in Auckland who haven't heard of him, uh, he hasn't been on the Auckland Council. Uh, he's not a Christopher Luxon-style you know, CEO of a large company. He has had a, quite a long period out of public life uh, after he was rejected uh, for a third term as the far north uh, district mayor. He also uh, got a reputation for himself as a sort of a Mr. Fix-It guy in the 90s. You know, we're talking nearly 30 years ago uh, when he was involved in fixing Auckland's power issues. For those who remember, there was a time when Auckland's CBD's power went out. And then he was the chair of the, one of the DHBs here in Auckland. What's your impression and what reporting have you seen on how successfully was, A, in the far north, but also in the DHB here? So I, I don't think I'd want to take away from Wayne Brown's achievements. He did play a key role in fixing power in Auckland. Um, he likes to say he is the only person who got a uh, hospital built on time and under budget in the 90s at the Auckland District Health Board. Um, and he likes to say also that they all were all very suspicious when, they, when he started there and all loved him at the end. Uh, the reality is a number of doctors have come out and talked about how difficult he was. He was the guy who wanted to call Starship Hospital the Auckland, Auckland Sick Children's Hospital um, and was 
persuaded out of that after an enormous public campaign where he s simply had not understood the fundraising and emotional and cultural significance and value of the name Starship Hospital to the people of Auckland. He just didn't get it. Um, he, as you say, uh, has been out of public life for some time. My, my um, estimate is that he's been essentially retired for about 10 years. Uh, he came back into public life in the uh, 2017, 18, 19, uh, when he was appointed uh, by the Coalition Labour New Zealand First Government to do a, port, a study on the future of the Auckland port. Um, my personal view is that it's a pretty good study. Um, he had some very smart people uh, around him. Um, but what happened was he managed to enrage the Mayor of Auckland, enrage the Minister of Transport, enrage the Minister of Finance and Infrastructure uh, to such a degree that Cabinet commissioned another report designed to bury Wayne Brown's report where it would never see the light of day. Uh, an extraordinary thing. And that's a significant measure of his uh, political skills, if you like, um, in recent times. Um, he's 76 now, uh, which isn't too old to be in anything, uh, it, it necessarily, uh, but he is, as I said, 10 years out of public life. Uh, his last foray into it went disastrously. Um, he always uh, had a record of alienating people and not, not worrying about it. He th thought that was the price of doing business. Um, and he was ticked off by the Auditor General uh, in 2012 uh, for uh, blurring the lines between his public and private interests. And what that actually means is that he used his public office for private advancement. Um, and you know there are diplomatic languages around these things, but that's what happened. He spent much of the campaign laughing it off, telling jokes. He said, said a week or so ago, when asked what he learned from that, he said, oh, I, I learned that I should have driven 90 kilometres to get a, another piece of paper, which is just jokes about things. In our debate, when I asked him what he'd learned, he said he'd learnt uh, not to do it. Um, it's not quite an apology, it's not quite a recognition um, that it's wrong, but it is a recognition that you're not, you're not meant to do it, if, if you like. And the one impression yeah. I get from a distance is that he can be quite a bull in a china shop type character yeah. and has strong views that he wants to drive through, which I can, I can understand if you're a CEO, you run your own operation, you're um, the master of, of all you see and people need to jump when you say jump. But a mayor is in a slightly different situation to either a CEO or a prime minister in that they really can't get anything done on their own. They need the cooperation of a majority of count people in council who aren't in their political party. It's not like in government where you have a prime minister who commands the caucus and runs a cabinet where people are, are, are not supposed to say what happens in cabinet, it's not open <laughs> to the That's press, right. and once your cabinet's made a decision, there is a collective responsibility for people to support it. Absolutely not the case in council, where A, a council debate is held in public, councillors' votes are recorded, and before and after the event, they can... Um, slash and burn at anything the mess has or any decision the council that, That's does. right. The mayor, the mayor um, ha, has, the, in the day by day, has a 
power to get a whole lot of things going, I guess, but the council can call them to account at any time. Uh, and uh, that will happen, whoever's the mayor, if the mayor is acting uh, outside the uh, remit uh, that, that they have from council. So that is a significant issue. One of the things that has puzzled the I think I can speak for other journalists what, following the Auckland campaign, uh, has puzzled us is that it's very hard to know what Wayne Brown wants to do. Uh, he wants things to be done cheaply. He wants things to be done as efficiently as possible. He does not want money to be wasted, which of course is entirely admirable. Yeah. But when you say what is it you want to build, what is your view for what transport should be like in 10 years time, how do you think Queen Street should look, if you ask any of those sorts of questions, he doesn't have an answer to them, he just complains about things. Yeah. But yeah, he complains a lot about the CRL, City Rail Link. Yeah. That's going to happen. You know, there's nothing the mayor's going to do that's going to change anything at all about the CRL. So that's going to happen anyway. Queen Street is being completely dug up at the moment, and that will be finished this year. Yeah, so that's happening. Um, there are other transport projects. He's talked about uh, new busways to the west and to the east, and w which are excellent, excellent ideas, but they are also happening. They are going to happen as fast as they happen, and it will not be anything that the mayor does that makes that. Okay, so it's very hard to know uh, what it is he's going to rally his council um, members around as a program to get their broad coalition support. He's going to need to be able to say, this is the program, this is what we want to do. Uh, and he hasn't yet declared that. So that's the big question. So any mayor of Auckland, which is you know, uh, a huge organisation, we forget because of the super city and the size of Auckland, it in a way is like New Zealand's second government. <laughs> and it means without that... The, without the revenue base. No, yes, <laughs> that's right, unfortunately. Uh, but it does mean that any mayor has to use soft skills. Yes. Negotiating with government, negotiating yeah. with uh, council-controlled organisations, with councillors, um, simply ordering things and, and banning things and opposing things is not going to get stuff oh, That's done. absolutely right. Well, um, um, Brown has said he wants to sack all the members of all the council-controlled organisation boards. And he's doubled down on that. He says he wants to do it quickly. Um, and he knows some people who would be really good sitting on Auckland Transport Board, for example. Um, it's absolutely fine to, to re replace and remove members of boards. That's a process that should happen. And Phil Goff, in fact, did it with the chair and some of the board members at Ports of Auckland. Yeah, that's, and, and he uh, got rid of one of them altogether and combined two organisations into one. In his first term, he got rid of another one altogether. Th these things happen. That's, that's not a problem. But there are processes for it. You don't want it to be done with cronyism. You don't want it to be done with because I know a guy. Um, you know, that's just the worst way to go about it. Um, and you certainly don't want it to be done with a sense of the only people who know how to make decisions are engineers. Yeah, which is something Wayne Brown's fond of saying, so that's difficult. One of the, the big ironies for him is that he and other candidates on the centre-right have argued council uh, money, revenue, money, budget are in a mess. But then they say, but Desley Simpson's doing a really good job. Desley Simpson is the chair of the Finance and Performance Committee. So she's um, a bit like a finance minister. Yes, she is, um, a bit like. Uh, and, and there's an expectation that whoever wins the mayoralty, Desley, would be a front-runner to become the deputy. Whoever wins, and that tells you something about the, the lack of That's really interesting in that Fesso Collins, who is a yes. Labour Green guy, mm -hmm. is saying, you know, I would have sort of expect, or um, it's quite likely, 
that if I win the mayoralty, that my deputy would actually be a... Um, I should be, to be clear, he's not saying it. Right. Uh, there's an expectation around that, that Disley would have a good chance. Mm -hmm. There are certainly one or two uh, uh, members on the, uh, councillors on the centre left that if they come back will have, have their hands up for it. Sure. Um, and if so, Collins actually has a problem to solve there because he can unite the council around appointing Tesley Simpson as deputy if she wants it yeah. um, or he could reward a loyal supporter and someone like Pippa Coombe um, and uh, he's going to have to find a way through that if, 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 he, if he wins. But Mayor Goff did a quite a clever thing I suppose early in his term in that he brought in Bill Cashmore. Yes he did. As a I suppose you could call it um, conservative from the well, not the provinces, well, but you know, out, out Bill, and about. Bill, Bill is a National Party member, um, mm -hmm. a farmer from rural Auckland, um, a farm just really down the road from Phil Goff's own farm, <laughs> but a much bigger farm. He's a, he was a big farmer. Um, uh, so he brought in Bill. Uh, he had at least two Labour Party members of council had said to him, I want to be your deputy. Uh, and he alienated them both, and his first term was difficult because of that. Uh, so if he said Collins will have learned from that, that the, the, it's, a, it's problematic when you alienate people. If you say no to the question, the, the job they want, you've got to find them something else that's valuable. Has there been um, any sign that Wayne Brown has tried to build any coalitions or get ready? I mean, because you, you'd, you'd want any candidate to be not quite building a, a government in waiting, but at least thinking about it. Um, there, there isn't. He, he's on record res, uh, expressing his respect for uh, uh, Desley Simpson. Um, I was going to say before, he'll stand in a meeting and say, council finances are in a mess. There's Desley Simpson sitting right in front of him, and he says, oh, but she's doing a good job. And those two statements don't square, of course, and it, I think probably annoys her quite a lot. But he hasn't expressed admiration or respect for anybody else, and is rather... Um, rather let it be thought that it, it goes the other way. Um, this is going to be difficult for him. The other thing he's going to find difficult, um, and the reality of Auckland Council is not unlike several other councils, which is that the functional people tend to meet in the middle. The functional people, will, if it's a functional mayor, they will meet, galvanise around the mayor and agree on a functional programme that they can achieve. Now, and of course they push and pull and they don't all vote together all the time and all of that, so all of that's in play. But by and large, um, the people left out are, uh, are the people who uh, don't seem quite to grasp what's going on or um, are ideologically uh, alienated from the general program or whatever. By and large, there are one or two exceptions, but by and large, that's how it works. So you can't come into Auckland Council assuming a similar council from the one we've got now and go, oh, well, I'll, I'll just bring the what, what some people call the B team up and make them the A team. The B team is a ragtag mob of um, disaffected people who do not have a lot to contribute. Yeah. Wayne Brown will recognise that. And one thing he hates is incompetence. <laughs> he will recognise that quickly. Yeah. So he's going, if he's going to form a functional council, he's going to have to lean to a large degree on many of the people who have been part of Goss team this term. And that might cause them problems because they're going to want things. They're going to want the program they've been working hard on, the infrastructure growth, the, the, the climate action plan, and, and the kinds of budget controls they've had with spending. You know, they're going to want those things to continue. And there are big issues coming up um, just in the last week or so. Auckland Transport and Wakakota have announced that 
the rail lines are going to be shut for years in the next few years as they fix. Yeah, it's not that all the rail lines will be shut for years. No, no, <laughs> but not there, all are, of them, there is a there is a, a, a multi-year program of, of development, and this is extraordinary. Something that is it's about the aggregate and the, what's under the lines, under the the, the tracks. Those um, bloody volcanic rocks, they have uh, problems. Well, it's, it's extraordinary. It's not something you hear about. It's not something that seems to have been necessary in Wellington or anyone else, anywhere else with a round network, um, but is for ours. Um, Just imagine, for example, if Waka Kotahi had announced that they were going to close the southern motorway for a year, yeah. and then they were going to close the western motorway yeah. the next year. Or the Harbour Bridge. Or the Harbour Bridge. Bridge for a year. <laughs> Can you imagine? Mm. It would be like... Well, front page news, apart from everything else, and also yeah, yeah. the beginning of the bulletins. Yeah. But the rail lines, which move an awful lot of people and need to move an awful lot more people if we're going to get anywhere near our climate so, aims. So this is going to be really difficult, and it's going to require uh, a very knowing strategy about what you're doing, which is more than just how do we temporarily move these people today and tomorrow. It's going to require something that keeps us moving forward on a climate action plan uh, and takes the opportunity uh, to rethink, if you like, uh, how we use our roads because the possibility now exists that our roads are going to be overwhelmed by cars and the only way you can fix that is not by building new roads, is by taking those cars back off the roads. So we are going to need a lot more buses, they're going to need priority bus lanes and they are going to need drivers who are well paid and have proper conditions of work so that it is a, it is a, 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 a job that people want to do. That is absolutely critical now for, for Auckland to stay functional. Uh, and it is also an opportunity to roll out, and I'm sorry for saying it, but um, to roll out a proper network of cycleways so that people who uh, have the ability to, to, to scooter or, or ride those few kilometres, you know, a third of all trips are under 2Ks, for that to become something that, that happens properly and safely. It's now the time where we should be saying, OK, we don't, we're going to have a real plan. We don't drive our kids to school. We, we um, let them cycle or we, or we walk them um, and we do it that way because it actually can work because it's safe for them. Yeah. So, so this is an event two weeks away from an election which effectively transforms the decision sets and the issues for the council around particularly trying to avoid a congestion time bomb that's coming down the track, yeah. but also an opportunity to accelerate yes. into mode shift, bus cycling, walking and out of cars. And you know, we got that terribly wrong coming out of the lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Now here's another opportunity Auckland's just suddenly been given. Now having learned the lesson from the lockdowns, we could have done it and we didn't, but maybe now we can. So let's be terribly optimistic. Yeah, and let's, let's hope that might happen. Because it's a functional way to actually address the problem. Um, so it's not an ideological thing, it's actually a functional way to address the problem. You have to reduce demand for driving, and if there are trains that are going to be taken out of action, it makes it all the more important to do that. And any mayor and council will have to work very closely with central government. Because yes, a lot of these decisions around motorways and railways are effectively... Oh, and the money for bus drivers. There's exactly. some, been, some been allocated already, we need quite a lot more, I would say. And just finally, um, the other thing that's up in the air a bit is the unitary plan and the densification compliance from councils to the, uh, the MDRS and the enhanced housing supply legislation, what I call townhouse nation, um, <laughs> uh, uh, which the council has submitted a plan back yeah. to the government which 
appears to leave out big chunks of Auckland and uh, mind you that's better than Christchurch that didn't even submit a plan and potentially uh, Christchurch and Auckland face either legal action or at the worst extreme commissioners so there are big issues on the transport front and on the housing front in the next year or two that a council and a mayor is going to have to deal with. Auckland's position, Auckland Council's position uh, is, is high stakes on this. What, what they didn't do what Christchurch did. They said, if we just reject the NDRS, we are going, the government's going to shoot us down. The commissioners will shoot us down. The government will support that. And that's very plain. And I think that is the political reality. I think they read, read that correctly. So what they've done is they've said there are um, some thousands of uh, villas and villa-like houses in the fringe suburbs around the central city. Pristine, never yeah, been yeah, altered so since 1910. So places, well actually they've, all, they've been renovated. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, so places like Devonport, uh, Greylin, uh, moving around um, into Mount Eden, Epsom, uh, those sorts of areas where there hasn't been a lot of development recently um, and they, uh, council has said those, we're going to define big parts of them as special character areas and therefore exempt them from the new density rules. Um, that's a high stakes game. The commissioners and or the government could well say you've gone too far and we're going to reject that. Um, but they have attempted to say we will we'll preserve what people who want that to happen have, have argued is the, something essential about the character of the city. Um, it causes all sorts of problems, uh, whatever you do. Uh, but because the council did that, I'm not sure that the housing density rules have been such a big issue in this election as they might have been mm. uh, somewhere else because... And they certainly uh, are in the other election campaigns yeah. around the country. Yeah, that's right. Um, Simon, fantastic uh, chat about things. Just finally, uh, what's your feeling seeing the polls and the vibe about what sort of um, mayor and council Auckland might have come this time next week? Um, I've tried to do the numbers, as you say. Um, it seems to me that we could end up with a council that is anything from uh, Wayne Brown with uh, 16 councillors behind him through to Efeso Collins with 13 or 14 councillors behind him, or anything in between, including a mayor without a council behind them, wh whichever one wins. So it's completely up in the air. One of the really striking things about this election is that there are a number of politicians who have effectively come out of retirement for it. Wayne Brown is one of them. George Wood on the North Shore is standing for council. He's a former North Shore mayor before the Super City and was a councillor in its first term in the Super City. Been on the local board, wants to be back as, uh, on the governing body. Uh, Morris Williamson coming out of retirement uh, effectively in, in Howick. Um, <laughs> and Mike Lee in Waitamata uh, who retired. Um, and he seems to have changed sides. And, and, he's, and he, uh, as, as a, an absolute stalwart of the left uh, in his day, uh, is now um, hooked up with the CNR, the, the National Party front group in, in Auckland. An extraordinary change. Um, you know, this is a really odd thing, a really odd thing. We should be having generational change. You know, we really need to have generational change. And, and the idea that the, you know, these guys are still the people who have what we need in, in politics is extremely peculiar. Yeah, there's one of the risks of this election, not just in Auckland, but the rest of the country, is that there is a reactionary wave against yeah. both climate change action and densification and... Uh, three waters. And three waters, which delivers um, quite conservative uh, councils, which um, put roadblocks in front of the 
changes we need on housing affordability, climate change, and from my point of view, the combination of those two delivers uh, child poverty reduction. Indeed, and you know, for all that government and councils have not been moving far or fast enough in my own view, I think in yours, um, there is movement, uh, and in Auckland in particular, there is a framework uh, for progress. Uh, it's absolutely there, uh, and you know, it's and Phil Goss' achievement that the framework for progress is there. Um, the idea that it could be undone by people who are too grumpy to see its value uh, is pretty surprising. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've got a few uh, busy days ahead of you reporting on the results. Simon Wilson, uh, Senior Writer for the New Zealand Herald, thank you so much for being on the Kaka. Thank you.